What's up, guys? Welcome to the Dabao Podcast. Jada here. In this series, we bring Malaysians all around the world to you. We will have a glimpse of how life is at their side of the world. I think this year will be very cool for me because this will be the year that I move in with my boyfriend. Congrats! Thanks, thanks so much. And I'm very nervous about uh, combining our expenses. Happy New Year, guys! Welcome back to the Double Podcast. So I hope that you have enjoyed the episodes in December where we doubled up the contents uploaded per week. Don't forget to let me know about your favorite episode in 2020 by dropping me a DM on Instagram at jaida underscore ow. So it's the new year and it's the time where you see people posting quotes like New Year, New Me on social media. Well, I do have the habit of setting new resolutions for myself and it always includes my financial goals for the year. So with us on this episode, we have a guest who talks about money and investing on YouTube. Let's welcome Suyin to the Tapao Podcast. Hi Suyin! Hi Jada, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. My pleasure. So share with us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, first off, Happy New Year, everyone. I'm <laughs> working full-time and then I decided to start a YouTube channel as well, talking about mm-hmm. money and investing because I used to teach and after exiting teaching, it I, I guess it's still in me. I still love education, so I wanted to find a different platform where I can still share about the things that I care about. And right now it's a lot to do with money and investing. Mm, I think that has to do with why all your videos, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really easy to comprehend. It's like if I just pull out one video and just watch it, I don't feel like it's too overwhelming. I think that's something that a lot of people really appreciate as well. Do you think that that's something to do with like your experience in teaching as well? Ooh, oh, thanks so much for that. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I guess like um, the aim for teaching is to make things as simple as possible for people to understand. It's not about mm-hmm. showing off how much we know and making it comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like when you first started, like how was the YouTube space for YouTubers that were sharing personal finance related knowledge in Malaysia? Mm, in Malaysia in particular, I think mm-hmm. we already had people in the scene. Yeah. Um, like the people like Spark Mel, he served mm-hmm. the Chinese community and he was yeah. pretty big at that time already. And then we have like uh, even older um, o- older OGs, I guess you'll call them that, like the Casey Lau. <laughs> and yeah, I-, I guess that's it. And then I had another friend who started at that time and we met through YouTube because he reached out. That's Mr. Money TV. Ah. It was mm-hmm. just like the two of us who were kind of newer in the space on YouTube. But there were, there were already a lot of bloggers, just not so much video makers. In terms of like the YouTube scene, right? You guys are the OGs. Like there are so many like content creators are doing uh, like personal finance related videos nowadays, right? Yeah, it's kind of cool. And it's like mm-hmm. only been about maybe two years for my friend. Two years already? Yeah. And wow. within just this like March period alone, I mm-hmm. like a lot more people came up onto the space. So I guess it's a really nice uh, reminder that 
you know, it's never too late to start anything that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, do you feel any pressure? <laughs> pressure? Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I didn't make YouTube my full-time job. I think I would really, uh, I think I would hate that actually. Like that amount of pressure that YouTubers or content creators have to just keep producing and to have people like the things that you produce. I think, yeah doesn't suit my personality it's the same for me as well like i can't like imagine if i were to do it full-time one day like the amount of stress like in terms of like oh i need to put out content again and again but then it's really cool that we get to do this uh in like just as a passion project or like something mm-hmm. that interests us so we can see where it takes us as well exactly so, like, why did you start making YouTube videos? I identify as an introvert, so I expend a lot of energy when I spend time with people. Mm-hmm. So, if I wanted to talk about finance and money, which is already a taboo subject, and if I did it one on one, it would take me, or it would take a lot out of me to just like keep doing that over and over again. Yeah, so YouTube as a video uh, format would be very cool because I get to connect with i don't know thousands of people at one go if they choose to watch the video Mm -hmm. and be replayed and yeah i guess it's very efficient so i like that have you had any fear of people commenting like oh you're actually not a professional why are you sharing this with us why do we have to listen to you uh yeah of course like the imposter syndrome and all of that right Mm -hmm. so i guess like i had to do a lot of uh internal work uh I never, I never say that I'm a professional at this. Yeah. I always emphasize that I'm just someone who is like very normal, very regular. <laughs> <laughs> I learned it from scratch as well. So I guess like it, it gives me um, a lot of confidence to be able to come from that sort of level mm-hmm. where, you know, there are more people who are just regular and who just want to figure it out than the professionals out there. So yeah, it's, it's just me being able to represent that. And I think mm. that's a good space to come from. Yeah, and I personally really enjoy watching personal finance-related videos because mm. it makes me feel a little less lonely when I'm managing my own finances, right? Because it's not a topic that you really talk to like a lot of people around you. You talk to like, oh, the things that you do, but you don't talk about, oh, this is how I manage my own money, right? Yeah, it's not really a conversation starter. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it makes people uncomfortable as well. Oh, definitely. So, <laughs> so it's nice to just turn the tables and have a different type of conversation. And yeah, I think I think it's, it's very cool because we get to see a lot of different things nowadays. Like people share a lot mm-hmm. as well. They share their portfolios. They share oh, their struggles, yeah. everything. Is it still a one-man show, like from for your YouTube channel? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a super. After two years, yeah. for me, okay, I'm. I'm hmm, I started in May, mm-hmm. yeah, so I guess less than two years. But yeah, it's just mm. me and my MacBook, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun, but you know, sometimes I do need a break as well because it. Mm. it um, the pressure is there, I have to say. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I just want to chill, but I, at the back of my mind, I need yeah. to get a video out as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so that gets to me sometimes. Like, what 
makes you continue to like do this despite with like you know sometimes wanting to be really lazy and just do nothing because you have been so consistent for like one and a half years now mm-hmm. um i guess when i start something i really <laughs> cannot back down it's mm. just part of my personality and also i i do get a lot of feedback and messages from people saying like it really help them to start uh, looking at money and having that conversation with their friends or just people in their lives. And it's, it's just it's just a really good pickup because, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess like without these conversations, maybe someone out there wouldn't get started and wouldn't keep going on their financial journey. So, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. every little episode or every little video can help someone out there and, yeah, I think that's why it keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> like, when was the time that you realized that, you know, your, your channel is actually taking off? Hmm, okay. Uh, I think the moment it hit 1,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I felt like, oh, okay, the growth feels different now. Uh, it used to come very slowly, mm-hmm. like, you can see the number of subscribers moving up in like the single digits, like <laughs> one subscriber, two subscribers. And then once it hits a certain point, like 1,000, then, then you'll see it start going up in tens and then you hit another mm-hmm. milestone and then it starts going up in the hundreds. And it's very surprising. So for any content creator out there, YouTube is something that I highly recommend exploring because it's just... yeah so surprising and it's so versatile as well and yeah i don't know i i think uh eherng or sean would have recommended for you to try (laughs) right i'm sure i think i heard that on his podcast with you yeah we were exploring like um another platform which is tiktok which i know all malaysians are very very familiar about but personally for me i'm extremely tempted to you know put my podcast up there as well but Mm -hmm. The thing that's pulling me back is that, you know, uh, because it's a one-man show, right? Yeah. So I need to think whether I would want, you know, consistency in terms of like the episodes that I upload or in terms of like where do I distribute it because I only have limited time and I still work like my full-time job, right? Yeah. So do you recommend me put it on YouTube? Well, I think, you know, you have a backlog of episodes that yeah. you probably have not uploaded. So mm-hmm. it sounds like, you know, at the start, you can upload uh, with this style of like audio, just audio. I think that's kind mm-hmm. of cool. But eventually, you probably want to transition into those recorded, like video recorded podcasts. And yeah, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I get it. I think you're the type of personality that once you commit, you're going to go full speed. So Yes, girl. Oh, I get you. And yeah, video editing is going to take some time. <laughs> in the beginning, right? How much time did you put into, you know, learning before, you know, putting out everything? Because there are so many things that are happening behind the scene, right? Oh, it's not just like a 12 minutes video that we see. Yeah, it's like a multiple, like say it's a 12 minute video, but the mm-hmm. person probably spent, okay, if they're, if they're like new, I was yeah. thinking that a 12 minute video would have taken me about seven hours to edit yeah seven hours yeah just like hitting roadblocks and 
Wow, so YouTube is a great resource, like when you're learning anything. So I learned mm-hmm. everything through just searching on YouTube. And yeah. you know, even right now, it takes me three hours per video still. Oh. Yeah, so um, it still takes time, especially, yeah, definitely. especially if you're slower at it, which I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't come from that kind of background, right? So it makes sense if it takes more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So c- can you share with us about, you know, what happens before a YouTube video is filmed? What do you actually do to prepare yourself? Oh, -hmm. actually asked me this before. So this is cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. What I do is I have a notebook, which I journal in. And I'm like nerdy that way. I like to track my habits and all of that. So high five. (laughs) (laughs) Old school. In the same book, I just... Um, I have like a bunch of ideas like that I brainstorm out, things that I think uh, would be interesting to make. So I'm not mm-hmm. that strategic about it. A lot of people are much better at this, you know, where they study the keywords that people are searching. And oh, I've heard about that. that. Yeah, it mm-hmm. works. I don't know why I don't do it. I guess like <laughs> I want to create what I want to create. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, I brainstorm the topic and then I do like bullet points. And then I'm good to go. I'll just like pull out my camera and film. And normally, like I don't, I don't script. I think that's something that is um, a double edged yeah. sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you script, then at least you know um, the process is gonna go very smoothly. But mm-hmm. right, and I sound like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want rather I film like once or twice over to get it right and then yeah it just feels more genuine for me mm, have that yeah. conversation with the lens <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and do you actually do my uh, go and read a book or like to do some more research before you talk on certain topics or it's just really what you know at that point oh the majority or the bulk of my videos are mm-hmm. based on what i know so it's based on mm. past research or past experience Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess like that's the way I best function. But if I really had to do like um like an in depth sort of video, which I don't think I've done yet, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, then that's when the nerdy me will come out, and I'll probably <laughs> forever to make that video because I just I I think I want to accumulate as much knowledge as I can before I actually make that video. <laughs> yeah, like. I'm pretty sure, like, because for me, right, in terms of, like, my podcast episodes, the only way that I receive feedback is when my audiences DM me and tell me, Mm -hmm. oh, like, you know, these are the contents that I really like. And for you, but for YouTube videos, right, they are a comment section down there where you can actually see people, you know, talking about what they think about the video. Mm -hmm. So has there been, like, a really, really, like, unforgettable, unforgettable comment that you have received so far um <laughs> none <laughs> well, i can't really say there is one in particular but mm-hmm. you know the comments i always remember are the ones that you know they they are just expressing how they're enjoying the video and it's like oh. something they they really want to get into uh get a lot of these like they don't know where to start and 
I, it just helps a lot. So I feel good when I get them. But some of the comments mm. that are popping up in my head right now are the spam bots. <laughs> <laughs> so on YouTube, you, get, you do get a lot of that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But you also get a lot of, I get a lot of requests of people wanting me to review different platforms or mm -hmm. what my thoughts on them are. And I'm quite particular. I like to make videos about the things that I personally use. Mm. I, think I think that's how you build your credibility with the audiences as well yeah. I, I, mm. I think that's important because like, if I just go and test out every single thing it's not very true to yeah. who I am as an investor mm -hmm. I'm already picky so yeah I, I guess that's that's why I like a lot of people joining the YouTube community so they can do it and that's <laughs> like um, yeah there's more resources for the viewers to check out yeah so of course we have to pick your brain in terms of like you know more topics on personal finance mm -hmm. and could you share with us like in the beginning right how how did you feel when you first you start managing your own personal finance and why did you decide to take it seriously i remember distinctively when I first started working i went mm -hmm. through this crazy phase where i just like spent all of my paycheck and more because you know that feeling when you have your own money like yes. you're, you're so proud of it right and then you're yeah. like what i buy is like something that i buy for myself and as a woman it's super empowering <laughs> and it's like <laughs> um intoxicating as well so yeah. yeah i was like binge shopping like crazy buying clothes buying bags and then i think like it was like just three months in and i was like hey, you know, this this can't keep going. It's scary. <laughs> um, yeah. I had savings. So thankfully, I didn't get myself in any credit card debt. Um, mm. But, you know, I could see my bank account. <laughs> it started off with a nice number. And then yeah. like slowly moving downwards, even though, you know, that inflow of paycheck happens every month. So mm -hmm. that scared me. And then uh, I was also in a school, so I was teaching, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of my colleagues were um, investors in different kinds of assets like properties. They had their own businesses, some were traders, stock investors. So I guess I was in the right space where people were already thinking about how to make more money because mm. being a teacher your pay doesn't really rise much over the years. And that was something that I was very worried about as well. So, mm. yeah, I knew I needed to fix my mindset and how I spent. And then at the same time, I also knew I, I needed to find different ways to grow my money. I realized the importance of managing personal finance. I think one month into my full-time job. Mm -hmm. So before I graduated from university, I actually um, interned for quite a long period of time. So after I went into my full-time job, I felt like, you know, it's a very secure job. I have my monthly paycheck coming in. So I just spent all the money that I earned throughout that one oh, year. Thank you. <laughs> and then after I did that, I was like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. I really need to be, you know, strategic in terms of how I manage my money. So that's when I started to take things seriously. Mm. So how how did you do things back then, you know, after you decided to to really take care of your finances? 
Oh yeah, so I I tried the things that people normally recommend. You know, mm-hmm. like, do a budget, and then I tried. Yeah. Um, I tried to do a budget. But the way I did it was I just spent as I normally would have to observe me in my natural habitat, mm-hmm. and then um, it was hard because like if you were to record every single transaction down on paper, it's yeah, you're gonna miss some, and you're gonna get yeah. lazy. So that's what happened. And it just didn't work for me. So what I did was I started reading different books where, uh, you know, everyone talks about rich that poor that, but they mm-hmm. never get into the nitty gritty of how to pay yourself first, actually. Exactly. So mm-hmm. you can pay yourself first and you can put, you know, 10% aside, but then if it's going into the same bank account, it's going to disappear as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's when I started to explore different, like, underrated books and I talk about this a lot it's called The Barefoot Investor it's by this Australian guy called Scott Mm -hmm. and he actually paints a picture of how you can build up your emergency fund and then build up different uh, accounts using a bucket system and yeah like that really helped me to allocate my money and when you have different bank accounts, like you don't really need to use Excel sheets to track mm. every single dollar. Mm. And I think I, I overcame the the difficulty in tracking my expenses through using an application on my phone that I actually mm. enjoy using. So yeah, I guess it's about testing out the different things that may or may not work out for us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one way to go about it. Yeah, and my friends and me were discussing whether, you know, uh, like really recording your budgets actually help. Mm. I think it varies individually. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I don't have the patience to just record, like, yeah, all my transactions, right? So what I did is to actually, like, you know, pay, um, do transactions via like apps or all those things Mm -hmm. where I can actually see where my money flows so I think that's also a good alternative as well and like I really really enjoy the book as well (laughs) nice I like that you've read it Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to have a simple yet systematic system to help us you know allocate our money and do you want to share with us a little bit more about you know what they what he talked about in the book yeah, sure. Uh, I think mm-hmm. like some of the things that he talks about that I really identified with mm-hmm. that um, I, I don't think I've mentioned before is that he emphasizes a lot about how to uh, have a family that is good with money. So he takes mm-hmm. it to the next level and talks about it in a separate book called The Barefoot uh, Investor for Families. So, oh, I've never read that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, if mm-hmm. you if you have nieces or nephews or like uh, kids in your life in the future, um, it gives you a guide on how to raise kids with a uh, good money mindset and mm. an appreciation for how money works and how to how to grow it. So I thought that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, another underrated thing that he does is enjoying it as as what it is like money is just money and then yeah. it's more about what you're what you're doing so ah yes this he has like monthly date nights with his wife to talk yeah. about money and yeah. i think this is so important mm-hmm. especially if like your other half is not as keen on money 
it's mm-hmm. uh, it's one way of drawing uh, both onto the same page and yeah I think that's something that I incorporated into my life and you know it's it's funny as well like both of us going through it together and mm-hmm. what comes up yeah and I think that it's definitely a journey you know to involve your partner significant other into this like personal finance journey as well because that's what I do and I would like to explore a little bit more about emergency fund because I realized that <laughs> it's not something that people are actually aware about it and it's really really important so before we even think about growing our money there mm-hmm. are things that we do need to take care of I call them the foundations of our uh, of our wealth I guess mm-hmm. uh, one is well insurance and the other is the emergency fund and the emergency fund is basically the backbone to everything that we have in our finances because we never know when life is going to get hard. And I guess like this year, 20, oh, sorry, last year, 2020, is uh, <laughs> the epitome of that where yeah. it's unpredictable. And yeah, like just having and saving up an emergency fund will be the biggest difference in our lives uh, in terms of being able to sleep at night because uh, whether it's a health emergency or whether it's we lose our jobs uh, and we cannot find new employment, I think that is something that is completely terrifying and yeah. why yeah, why put yourself in that situation mm-hmm. if you can avoid it? So that's why, that's why I have my emergency fund. Before thinking about which stock you need to buy right mm-hmm. just save up that emergency fund for say like three months of your living expenses mm. that's really important as a start i would say yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, uh, i think like the way we can go about this like three months for a lot of people is a huge amount mm-hmm. um, yeah so we can start with like one thousand ringgit like just have that goal in mind and then work towards it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm actually doing this challenge called the thousand bucks challenge. Yes. Yeah. So I am trying to showcase that we can definitely earn money outside of our main income Mm -hmm. and anything that we can think of, we can try like whether it's a side job or whether it's selling pre-loved clothes, which is what I'm starting with. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can definitely parcel off this money. Uh, to hit 1000 bucks and uh, we, we can repeat it if we are interested in saving for something or mm-hmm. want to do like charity anything it can work for anything yeah so how's your progress been so far Woo-hoo! i am slightly under 200 ringgit <laughs> but it's only been like one month plus i think yeah, one month and i haven't really Okay, la, I've like dropped the ball. I haven't been posting many pre-love clothes, but time to do it again, Suyin. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta kick myself in the butt and just like film and take pictures. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like two hundred out of one thousand, pretty neat, I think. Yeah, just to sell like maybe three more clothes. No, uh, maybe more. <laughs> <laughs> So have your investment style changed over like, you know, the past two years since mm-hmm. you started involving yourself in in this journey? 
Yes, I would say my investment style has, I guess, not changed, but strengthened. Mm-hmm. I, I went into this thinking that, okay, I am a value investor and the type of lifestyle that I like from investing is not to be glued to the screen all the time and not to be incessantly checking my portfolio to see how it's going. So mm-hmm. I think this year has really taught me that that is exactly the kind of lifestyle that I want to have as a value investor to mm. be able to shut off. And, you know, after buying, after doing the research to be able to just unplug and to monitor what I need to monitor in terms of like what's going on with the company, how's the management handling things. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm getting better <laughs> over time. And oh, happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And like the more I read, the more I'm inspired to really double down on the kind of values that I have and to make sure that I'm I'm not just talking, that I'm also like walking the talk. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm. So hmm, very crazy year, I must say. It has been oh, yes. investment mm-hmm. last year. Let's say if you have like an extra pile of cash that you want to allocate to your investment fund, right? Mm-hmm. Would you actually top up your existing holdings or would you go and look for another uh, company that you like to go in? Hmm, that's a really good question, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is what I always do. I am always trying to have uh, a maximum number of companies within my portfolio because any more than that I would you know I would struggle mm-hmm. what's your lucky number <laughs> my max is 10 mm-hmm. and yeah I think that makes sense mm-hmm. 10 is quite a lot already for me and yeah I will definitely put more money in but I also need to know that it is at the right price um, yeah which you know opportunities do come Sometimes it just takes patience as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, because like of the type of investor that I am, I just read this book. It's really good uh, if you want to check it out. It's called A Hundred Baggers, um, something, something, and how to find them. Yeah, you should definitely drop me the link later yeah, on. I Christopher Mayer, and it's very, very interesting. He talks about uh, the stocks that makes a hundred bagger, meaning a hundred times your money. Mm. That's insane. Like normally we only think about the stocks that make us 10 times our money, right? Yeah. And he, he, he really paints a really good picture of like what, uh, what these hundred baggers uh, over the course of history have, like how, how they have become a hundred baggers, like what are the commonalities and a lot mm-hmm. of them have to do with, you know, the patience of being able to hold the stock through crazy times about 20 years. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that sounds amazing. Like if you can mm-hmm. have 100 baggers in your portfolio, you just need one. Yeah. You just need one in your portfolio. And if it's well allocated, you're going to be really, really like hitting all your financial goals if you're able to do that Mm, yeah yeah. and now I recall that I actually um, like watch one of your stories 
that you shared a screenshot of your portfolio and you were saying that there were some, of course, big gains, big losses, but it was like a positive overall, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, and you, you said something very important. It's it's not about, you know, picking the right stock. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something really important that I think you could share with us as well. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm so mm-hmm. I'm so flattered that you remember that story. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I I just saw it in the highlights today, like going past it. Um, it was all about portfolio allocation. Yes. Where we don't just focus on one stock or two stocks in our portfolio. So okay, maybe you don't need ten, but like say if you have five stocks in your portfolio mm-hmm. and you get one or two wrong, but you get one or two, very right, and that's enough to um, pull the performance of your entire portfolio. And, yes. and I think that is so, that's so empowering because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, in what other asset class are you rewarded for being wrong sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't do that for property. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, right? you got to pick the right one. Whereas for just stock, one. Yeah, just one, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas stocks, you're given the liberty to have, you know, a a mix of different stocks. Yeah. And like, how do you go about in terms of investing? Do you actually like top up your investment month, like every month or like, it's just where you think that the time is right. You just one shot, put it all in. Uh, Okay. So every month I save a specific Mm -hmm. percentage for investments. Yes. So I just like stockpile and I leave it in my uh, CDS account, which stands for a central depository system. So basically my brokerage account. Mm-hmm. And luckily that accrues some interest as well. But I'll just like put it there and wait for the right uh, prices or the right time mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. To, to put more money into the stocks that I currently have. And yeah, that's how I go about it. So are you like, uh, do you only invest in stocks or do you actually explore other like asset classes as well or other investment tools? Mm, okay. Um, like right now, I don't have any property, mm-hmm. um, but I, I mostly invest in individual companies in stocks. I also, I like ETFs, like exchange traded funds. Yes. which is yeah, it's so great because you don't have to do much it's really really great mm-hmm. and you know there are heaps of different ways you can go about it you can buy like specific etfs and manage it in your own portfolio you can buy a couple and you can rebalance if you're really into it or you can like invest in with um we call them robo advisor platforms Mm-hmm. that's a choice as well where the robo-advisor will pick the portfolio selection for you and do the re-optimizing or rebalancing and you just you just like decide how much you want to invest for how long you want to invest and how often do you want to reinvest so I guess like there are so many different options nowadays I've also tried uh, P2P lending I didn't like that that much uh, mm, me neither yeah, like the default rates were high, and I, <laughs> yeah, in the end, I earned more from the referrals, uh, which mm. didn't make sense to me. And then uh, I started a little bit in crypto, 
but I mainly did that just to get rid of my fear of missing out. <laughs> hmm, yeah, that's definitely something that we need to watch out, you know, yeah. when we invest. So hard, right? Yeah. So you see the, the price shooting up and you're like, damn, I should have went in. Yeah, there are a lot of should have. So we got to minimize mm. that. And for me, you know, I, I don't know much about crypto and blockchain and all those like... Um, mm. All of that, because I'm not into it, it's not my natural tendency. So why yeah. why fake it till I make it? Because I probably won't. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I've never speak too much about, you know, my personal finance, but I think it's definitely something interesting to share. Mm-hmm. I actually purchased um, Ethereum, I think a few years back then, cool. when it was... It was at it. It was at its all time high. <laughs> no, so I was like, it was also because of fear of missing out, right? So yeah. definitely need to be mindful about that. It's it's a lesson, so I'm okay with it now. But it still should have done that. So what what do you do after that? Like when you invest at a high, do you notice like what your emotions and your thoughts mm. were telling you? So I actually um, went in when I was still a student back then. So I actually made some small gains in terms of like buying and selling. And then after that, I decided, you know, I should just hold it long term and see what happened. And then (laughs) that was the time when the price started tumbling down. And of course, right now, it has never reached like nowhere near the price point that I went in. So I'm still holding it now. So, you know, I don't know what would happen next. Hodless, is it? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You never know. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, I guess like there are heaps of these lessons. Like I really identify with you. I have, oh my God, I've gotten like some stocks so wrong <laughs> that, okay, I'm still holding them, but I bought them like, I bought this one particular company at its, uh, close to its peak. And then it just dropped like 50%. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Yeah. And like, that's the one company that I got seriously wrong, but it's still a great company and like the prospects are still really really good and mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. You know, I just bought it significantly yeah. overvalued so that's that's like I guess that's I, I guess part greed and part not doing proper research at the time mm-hmm. so yeah like these lessons are bound to happen happen yeah as we learn from them then it's yeah, it's like uh, meaningful because we tend to not learn the lesson mm, over and over. Yeah. That's, that's an issue. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very important to, you know, reflect after you, you think that you have made a wrong decision, investment decision, and learn as much as you can. You just don't, don't just lose money and just walk away and not knowing actually what happened. Yeah, definitely. Because like mm. there are so many like uh, things pulling us back we associate a lot of shame to mm. mistakes and failure and you know there's just so much like good lessons that we can yeah. out of it if we get past the shame like what's your biggest regret in terms of like the splurge that you have made in 2020 oh splurge ah mm. i made a video on this <laughs> oh i bought a pair of earrings and mm-hmm. You know what's the funny part? Like I was staring at them for so long, and then when I finally decided after like a couple of months, or was it a month? I bought it, and then it came in the mail. It was like four hundred ringgit, and then I, I looked at it. I was like, oh, 
they don't look like what they look like on the side. <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. And you know, like sometimes it, we just make decisions that mm. they're you know we've already like taken all of the time to think about it. And you know, sometimes it still doesn't turn out how we wanted it to, and that's life, lah. How about you? Yeah, for me, it's like a a pair of like black heels that I've never had a chance because we have been working from home for quite a bit, so it's just sitting there, <laughs> like waiting, waiting to be worn. <laughs> Probably couldn't. I don't think I can wear it because you know, like when you don't really wear a shoe for a long period of time, then you need to be careful, right? Yeah, yeah, because of the the adhesive and the rubber. Yeah, and yeah. You gotta strut them in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I what are some what are some of the exciting things that we can look forward to on your YouTube channel in twenty twenty one? Ooh, ooh. To be completely honest, <laughs> no idea yet. I have no idea. Like I have, I always have things uh, swimming around, like waiting to mm-hmm. do it. But you know, it, it just depends on what I'm feeling like in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like you can definitely expect uh, update videos on how my stash away portfolio is going or yes. an update video on maybe lessons that I, I've learned about investing. Maybe I think you probably see one or two of those in mm-hmm. whatever uh, different rendition. Uh, what I really want to do is actually help more women participate in this conversation of mm-hmm. finance uh, finance because I guess like how we were fed growing up was with a lot of stories that you know you just like need to be careful need to be a nice girl and don't take so much risk and that really shows up in how we handle our money and how we handle our careers as well yeah. so I really want to be able to help more women have the conversation and to like just like show that you know once we get past the don't know where to start don't know where where to begin once we gain that confidence like I think women are really exceptional at um, anything that they set their mind to and especially like because women tend to be very uh, giving like they just mm-hmm. want to help people and improve other people's lives as well as their own. Like once they figure out money, they can definitely do so much for yeah. and other people. So yeah, I guess that's what mm. we explore more in 2021. That's amazing. And I know that you have done one seminar or webinar with Stash Away, I believe. Oh, the women one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was very fun. Yeah, so definitely look forward to more contents like that. (laughs) Thanks so much. Are you looking forward to something in particular this year? To be honest, I just um, hope that I will, you know, be able to keep this uh, passion project going Mm -hmm. and to see how far I'll manage to go and see where this podcast will bring me to. So to be honest, when I ask you that question, I don't really have an answer for myself as well. So I'm guilty. I guess you like when you asked me, I was like, "Oh no, you put me on the spot." Oh, no. <laughs> but I think it's good as well, like to check in with these like unexpected questions because mm-hmm. sometimes we just need to think about it, right? 
Yeah, mm. exactly that. <laughs> mm. So you shared some really helpful information with regards to you know managing personal finance. So could you share with us a little bit about your financial goals for yourself next year? I mean, in 2021. In 2021. We keep mm-hmm. mixing it out, right? It's, yeah, because this episode is recorded in like end December 2020. So yeah. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a secret there. Uh, 2021. I realized like I'm going through my review of my 2020 goals and it's been mm-hmm. fun. And I realized that a lot of the goals that I set out for, depending on how I phrase them, it's how I... I got it, like how I achieved it in the end. So I, I give yeah. an example. Like um, I put, I want to, ach- I want to raise my income from this number to this number in active income, and mm-hmm. because I didn't put it as like say just specifically from my day job, I did achieve mm. that and more in active income. But the active income came from somewhere else other than my day job. So I guess I want to be more <laughs> intentional and specific mm-hmm. with my goals. So at least I know um, what I'm working towards and when I'm checking in that I'm on yeah. the right track. So mm-hmm. I guess 2021 financial goals. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think this year will be very cool for me because this will be the year that I move in with my boyfriend. Congrats. And, thanks so much. And I'm very nervous about uh, combining our expenses, like for food and utilities mm. and all of that. Mm. That means yeah. I'm moving out of like my family home. So my expenses, I assume, are going to go up. And of course. <laughs> so I'm like really keen to know what is my actual like real savings rate after moving out because like when you're living at home it's it's like the crutches you know that you're you're having and yeah it's it's not the real representation so I want to see what's the real real this year yeah like for me like the rental in Hong Kong is so expensive right it actually eats out like around 25% of my income Is, is that a normal ratio i'm not even sure about that okay yeah normally like there's a ratio they say um your rent or your home shouldn't mm-hmm. take up more than 30 percent. so you're oh. you're doing really good right now yeah. so congratulations i'm gonna try to maintain that oh it's so expensive so yeah. how do you feel about moving out mm, i'm excited actually mm-hmm. um new things I am nervous at the same time, but I'm, I'm actually really excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. So maybe we'll be seeing some like couple financial tips from your channel as well. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I can get him to sit down and film a video with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it has been a very, very insightful session. So for our audiences that would like to learn more about managing personal finance share with us how can we stay connected with you yeah you can hit me up on youtube so i go under the i, I don't know what you call that like the name suyin mm-hmm. Hall. so that's just my name and on instagram you can find me at suyin invest i think that should pop up and yeah you can always like dm me or leave me an email i would love to hear from you and 
yeah, I just really am curious about the listeners of Apao Podcast. Like wherever you are in the world, I think it's just so cool that Nita <laughs> has brought us all together. And you know, as Malaysians, we're super proud to be Malaysian, like regardless of where we are in the world. And I hope everyone's doing great. Yeah, thank you so much, Suyin. And oh, by the way, I really like your like your Instagram handle. It's Suyin Invest, so it's like the you know Suyin Invest, and it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Suyin. Thank you, Jada. Take good care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Drop me a DM on Instagram at jaida underscore ow if you would like to have more contents like this. And let me know who you'd like to have on the show next. Don't forget to stream all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Stay healthy, stay safe.